Welcome to Study, Grow, Know, where we discuss theology, prophecy, and current political issues from a conservative biblical perspective. Here's your host, Dr. Fred DeRuvo. When will I learn? Recently, an ugly part of my personality rose to the surface, affecting others around me. This is one of those things that exists because of the sin nature within me. We all have it, and it comes out through our own specific weaknesses. When I feel overly put upon or disrespected, I tend to react in my mind by trying to preserve self with how dare they. Well, in doing so, I've tended to think that firmness or even anger is a sign of strength and showing others that I'll not be treated the way they, can, they think they can treat me. And now notice, please, that this is a direct result of giving place to my resident sin nature. It wins at this point. And during the course of the situation yesterday, I unfortunately escalated the situation itself when I should have let it go. And I should have, it would have just petered out to nothing. That wasn't good enough for me, though. Nope. I had to ensure that the other individual understood that I would not be belittled or disrespected. I am 66. And having been a Christian since the age of 13, one would think that this type of asinine behavior, sinful behavior, on my part would have been more sanded off than it is now. Unfortunately, the truth is that that aspect of my personality, controlled by my sin nature, with me willingly going with it at the time, is more glaring to me now than before. Oh, I suppose if I were to really look at things seriously and honestly, I might be able to conclude that I'm doing better now than before. And while that may actually be technically true, it is still more of a part of my character than I like. And in fact, it is something that I loathe. It reminds me of Paul's words, quote, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death in Romans 7.24? Let's take a quick look at the entire paragraph there, Romans 7.21 to 25. Paul says this, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with my mind, I serve, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. I'll get into more of what Paul said above in a minute, but as far as my reaction to a situation yesterday, it was not good because it did not honor Jesus. The pain I caused others and even myself is the difficult part of the whole thing. So this morning, I spent some time after a sleepless night trying to make amends. And for the most part, it worked out. Why? Well, it worked out because other people's graciousness uh, that I myself did not exhibit the way I should have during the situation was present. So I am left thinking about my personality, my character, and my flaws only to realize that while some of my rough spots may have been sanded off by the Holy Spirit over the years, I still have a massive way to go before I complete my race, as Paul would say. 
before I am completely whole and without sin. In fact, that sinless state will not exist for me until after I die. <laughs> I always marvel at people, like my wife, for instance, who have very steady personalities. Now, I know when my wife is angry after 38 years of marriage, but she is not the type that demonstrates her anger in ugly words or sarcasm. Sometimes over the years, I've I've only known she was angry when I saw her doing what she calls grindling cleaning. That's German, which simply means she's directing all of her energy due to being upset at whatever it is by doing what Germans do. They clean the house with gusto. That negative energy is put to good productive use. Now, in my case, my own father and my mother would throw things, yell, or both. But what Paul is actually telling us in Romans 7 what is that? Well, Paul is saying that he believed he should be able to obey the Mosaic law. Verse 22, that was the intellectual part in his brain and the way he understood things. However, morally, he found himself in rebellion against what he knew was right. This natural rebelliousness was something he could not rid himself of. Now, by the way, in that Last part there is a quote from Dr. Thomas Constable. I've got a link to that in the transcript. In Romans 7.24, Paul reveals just how wretched he feels about himself because of the apparent tension created by the law of wanting to do good versus the law of wanting to live in rebellion. I personally believe that he was speaking about his condition after he was saved. While I know that others think he was talking about prior to being saved in that situation there. So Dr. Constable, Dr. Thomas Constable, comments on this verse by stating the, this fact, quote, the agony of this tension and our inability to rid ourselves of our sinful nature that urges us to do things that lead to death come out even more strongly here. What Christian has not felt the guilt and pain of doing things that he or she knows are wrong, unquote. Hmm. I can relate. I can definitely relate. What Christian cannot relate to that? Well, after yesterday's situation, I am again reminded of my sin. It's hurtful and agonizing to know that there are aspects of my personality or character that still need divine surgery. Gee, you mean I haven't arrived yet? No. I mentioned to my wife this morning that I wonder when It'll be rounded off more. Now, of course, the answer is that it is rounded off as we submit to him through circumstances like the one from yesterday, because of them, not absent from them. I do or say something that turns out to be unmercifully stupid and selfish, and then I suffer the consequences of that, but it also harms other people. Now, I could have tried to rely on the Holy Spirit instead of simply giving into my own self for guidance, but once the moment becomes reality, it makes it that much more difficult to rein in the sin. It's been let out, and it wants to do some damage. The problem, of course, is that when viewed like this, it makes it seem as though it's not your fault or my fault, but it's the result of these two laws that war against one another. Verse 23. 
That's really not true. And it's not what Paul is saying. The reality is that my fault, it is my fault because it stems from my own failure and sin nature resident within me. I can't skirt that responsibility. And again, this is not what Paul is trying to imply, that it's not my fault or the devil made me do it. It is my fault because I sinned. And that holds me responsible before the Lord. Now, this innate rebelliousness that all Christians have to some extent or another was something that Paul could not get rid of within himself either. It is resident with layers upon layers of sinfulness seeking its own way. That is the constant tension caused by our own inner sin nature and the impact God has on us through the new life within us led by the Holy Spirit. Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of this section of scripture is apropos. He said, quote, I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Unquote. Well, it seems the more we try not to sin, the more we do sin. I don't know if you find that's true for you or not, but it certainly feels like it's true for me. I've seen this work in more innocuous things in life too. For instance, I've, I've gotten to the point where I wanted to be simply off sugar and sugar products. So I've tried, and wouldn't you know it, all I could think about was having sugar when I was trying to avoid it. It's the most frustrating thing in the world for me because I can crave sugar any day or time. It's always been my comfort food in spite of how bad it can be for me. There was a time when I would down a dozen or so Oreo cookies before dinner and then have a sugary dessert after dinner. My thinking and focus had to be replaced with something else. But what? Well, in my case, it turned out to be the weight scale. I noticed that when I stopped with the sugar, I began losing weight. As I continued avoiding sugar and sugary treats, I continued losing weight. The scale would measure lost weight in increments of tenths. So every time I got on the scale, I had lost 0.4 to 0.6 pounds. So the focus changed from craving sugar to craving lower numbers on the scale. All of a sudden, it became easier because there was a different goal and the reward to focus on. Eliminating sugar created a struggle in me daily because I was always thinking about and craving sugary treats. But by replacing the sugar craving focus with a weight loss craving focus, with visible results on the scale, well, the problem was solved. What I think Paul is saying in the text is that instead of simply trying hard not to sin, we should instead change our focus and get it off of not sinning or trying not to sin and onto the one who gives the victory over sin. We move our focus from our sin to our victor. And Paul goes into this much more deeply in Romans chapter 8, which we're not going to get into today. Paul is ultimately talking about what is called progressive sanctification. And here's another quote from Dr. Constable. Progressive sanctification does not come by obeying laws, a form of legalism called nominism, but apart from the law. It also proves that doing right requires more than just determining to do it. The humbling that can come from situations that occur in life, stemming from our own resident sin nature, can be healing and uplifting. The Holy Spirit moves us to see our error, 
agree that it is error caused by our sin and then embrace the solution, which is always more of him and less of me. Now, ultimately, what the Holy Spirit is doing is changing our focus. Yesterday, my focus was trying not to get huffy while asserting myself, capital S. I failed and I became huffy and self-centered and I asserted self. My focus should have been on something else entirely, Jesus and the freedom he has purchased for me to live freely in accordance with his word. This isn't over. There is more to this, but I believe it deeply involves having a correct focus. Just like focusing on sugar makes me crave sugar, focusing on losing weight by not consuming sugar causes me to lose weight. And that is my focus. It's not on the sugar. It's on the losing weight. Regarding the flaws in my personality character, maybe your personality and character, by focusing on simply trying to not express certain things, well, I end up expressing those very things I don't want to express. Instead, by focusing on him, Christ, his character, his love, and his acceptance of people and his disregard for self, I should be able to move in that direction and away from the things my sin nature wants me to, to do and to focus on. Does this make sense? This is new for me, and I'm still fleshing it out. So if it doesn't make sense to you, it's probably because I haven't explained it that well yet, and I may have more of this upcoming. In the meantime, I want to thank you for joining me today, and may the Lord open your eyes and mine to see how blessed we are in him. And may we pass that blessing along to others who do not know him in how we live and operate in this world. You've been listening to Study, Grow, Know with Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Please join us each week for new broadcasts that deal with theology, prophecy, and political issues from a biblical conservative perspective. 